Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Starting off the show with Arnoldis Kuboka, Jorge Gutierrez, and Derek Brown references. Not the 95 defensive tackle, Derek Brown. The former Charlotte Bobcat, Derek Brown. It is off and rolling on a Thursday. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fitty comes in real hot, angry on a 20-minute soapbox of anybody that watches Summer League saying you don't have a life. We were trying to escape the fishbowl. Fitty tried to bring us in like he was Brian Burns, Spider-Man with his web of takes. We couldn't escape. And he said, you do not have a life if you pay attention to Summer League. It was quite the scene, Wes. And I'm glad that we're here about to get off the bus with something different. Yeah, I mean, Fitty, the thing I give him his credit for is, like I said, he he doesn't pull any punches and he speaks in. In absolutes, and so uh, you gotta love it. The takes are always <laughs> hardcore, and so I can respect that. But this morning, he was definitely uh, on another level. Uh, so I, I feel like this happens so much where I do want to get into the main topic of the day, which is some Carolina Panther conversation. But then Fitty has something right before we hop on the mic. I feel like I need to address it. Are you good with your summer league anger or can we move on with Carolina <laughs> Panthers conversation? Dude, I'm good. You were the one that were like celebrating the fact that you're going to watch summer league basketball. <laughs> so and, and, you and, said, dude, I'm good, which is hilarious. But also I'm not celebrating it. Dude, I just said, like I will watch like it. Shoulder shrug. I'm going to be out there watching scoot. And I'm like, what was the shoulder shrug? I did. I, I don't know. Cause I'm not six, four lanky ass. So I can't do it as good as you can do it. He's still a little mad over there. So, no, it's, he's it still mad. It felt you can like it. you needed to be judged because, okay, mm-hmm. the summer league product is is one of the most unwatchable things in sports during the summer. <laughs> okay, it's just what it is. I, yeah, that's fine. I don't. It's not like I'm celebrating it. I do cover the Charlotte Hornets a lot, so I'm I am going to have to watch it. It's not great sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the team, then cool. But he was just so mad about it. And I think a lot of people are going to be mad about this next topic, Wes, because we got some news earlier today that J.C. Horn suffered another injury and is not going to be on the football field at least until training camp. Let's give you some more of those details as we pull up to the scene. Mr. Angry Bus Driver, go ahead and open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. (laughs) We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Yeah, it did happen again. Luckily, it doesn't seem like it's going to be any uh, regular season missing time type of injury. But J.C. Horn, Panthers first round pick a couple of years ago, cornerback extraordinaire. He will miss the rest of the OTAs and minicamp with an injury to his left ankle and foot. But again, he is expected to be fully recovered in time for the start of training camp. This is not the same ankle that held him out in previous years. He did suffer the injury while working out on his own 
found last weekend. He was examined on Monday by Dr. Robert Anderson, one of the leading foot and ankle specialists. No surgery will be required, but he will be in a walking boot for a few weeks. Again, it is not the same injury that he suffered during the 2021 season. So appreciate Panthers.com providing that update. Darren Gant writing all of that. You can go check it out as well. Those are some of the beginning paragraphs and sentences to get you informed on this J.C. Horn injury. Wes, how serious is this thing? Despite him not missing any regular season time because of this specific injury, how worrisome is it that he suffered another one? Well, it's not serious on the surface because he will be available for training camp, but at the same time, I'm definitely a believer in in omens or however you want to put it, and I just think this doesn't look good uh, on the surface as far as the guy just comes out with an article talking about how his goal is to stay healthy, and then now we see that he's going to be out indefinitely, and hopefully he'll be back during training camp. And I don't like to see this. I want him to be able to finally put a full season together because to this point, he's played uh, 16 of a possible 33 games that he could have been eligible for. So uh, you want to see him be healthy and be able to have that all breakout season like they were talking about because they people have been saying that's the key. So to see this, I think it's just really bad, the optics of it, especially coming off the article where that's all he talked about was staying healthy and for this to happen. But hopefully he's over it in a few weeks and this is it. You certainly hope so. We did see J.C. Horn push back as well. When people want to give him the tagline of being injury prone, he said that they're all bone injuries. They're not soft tissue injuries. And soft tissue injuries, they are the thing you worry about lingering, especially with some hamstring stuff, especially with even ACL injuries that are big time, right? We have seen players recover a lot from that as the years have gone on. It feels like Adrian Peterson was a nice checkpoint in NFL history of just how freakishly guys could recover from season-ending injuries. And J.C. Horn comes back last year, you know, in and out of the lineup. It wasn't this big injury that he suffered that eventually held him out for, you know, 10 weeks like he did his rookie season. But this is still worrisome because of the way that he's been injury-prone the last couple of years. If this was even the second one, Wes, then it'd be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, sucks. Hopefully he can get out there for training camp and be a full go. But because this is the guy that has been injured a couple of times, this is why you raise an eyebrow at it for sure. Uh, We did have a question from Brian. He said, J.C. Horn, was he wearing Pumas in his private workout? LaMelo Ball conversation there. That uh, little, little sneaker yes. Nice job uh, Conspiracy theory. Yeah. The, the ankles. We had the same report about LaMelo when he got hurt, right? That it wasn't the same ankle that had held him out in previous stops this past season. Hopefully there's not any kind of trend with once you hurt one, the other one is inevitably going to go down. And then you're just going to miss time constantly, whether you're in a Panthers uniform or a Hornets uniform. And uh, Simon says, he wrote this, considering Horn's absence at the end of the year pretty much cost us the division, I'm quite concerned about this. Wes, there's no doubt J.C. Horn means a lot to this football team on the field because one of the biggest weaknesses that this roster has right now is cornerback depth. There's not a lot of it. If J.C. Horn goes down, I'm already worried. Like, I'm already worried even if J.C. Horn is on the field because you might have some packages where you need to throw out Jeremy Chin as the big nickel. Maybe you bring in somebody in. I don't know. Eric Rose, a veteran. C.J. Henderson is on the outside. You bring in Dante Jackson in the small nickel, whatever. Like, I don't know. But I do know that it would be nice to go out and get a veteran. We focused a lot on opposite pass rushers outside of Brian Burns. 
this quarterback vaults up with this? Does it at least become 1A and 1B type of situation to maybe go and sign some older pass rusher just to fill in voids this year, not long term? Does it become the same type of importance to go after a cornerback, at least on a one-year type of contract? No, we got Rayzon right, baby. That is right. I forgot about that. <laughs> no, but uh, I do think the Panthers just need to be a little bit patient because we know the NFL is a young man's game, and they've got a lot of guys that are going to be competing for spots. So I don't think there's any need to rush and go out and sign a guy because, like I said, I'm a firm believer that a lot of these guys that are still free agents are there for a reason. I don't know that you will get tremendous value in picking up a lot of these guys, uh, especially just bringing in a a guy that you think is going to be a difference maker because that's what every team is looking for and I'm not sure that you bring in any of these players and they come in and immediately make a difference. There'll be a body, maybe they can give you some production, but they're not going to be either what they once were were, Mm -hmm. or turn into the player that a lot of fans would want them to be. Like, you go get Marcus Peters, what do you think he's going to come in and be the pro bowler that he's been in the past? Probably not. There's a reason that he's still sitting out there on the street. So I think that for now, let the young guys see what you have in camp see what's going to come out of those competitions and then if you don't have what you need and if there's somebody there who could perhaps help you then you go out and grab somebody but I think for now you stand pat. Uh, 704 said how can Horn mean a lot when he's rarely there to begin with because we've seen how bad it is when he's not on the field it's pretty easy. CJ Henderson was awful last year so was Keith Taylor at the end of the season when JC Horn was out there you were much much better at covering wide receivers it's really simple especially with Dante Jackson having an injury-prone career so far. I think it's safe to say that's that's just how his tenure has been here with the Carolina Panthers. You're two starting cornerbacks, and a lot of people don't even feel comfortable with Dante, right? That's assuming that's with the caveat that you're okay with him being the second corner. Mm-hmm. You don't, he's injury-prone too. So, yeah, there are certainly some problems. 704, a different number, did write in, go sign Marcus Peters. And see, I'm with you, Wes. I'm not signing Marcus Peters to be a Pro Bowl guy that goes and gets you at seven, eight interceptions. The bar is not, can you be a Pro Bowler? The bar is, can I feel more comfortable with you opposite of J.C. Horn or Dante Jackson? Sure. Can you be better than C.J. Henderson? Can you be better than Keith Taylor? And if the answer is yes, and the money's not ridiculous or on any kind of long-term contract, if that's the bar, it's pretty easy to clear, and I would think Marcus Peters can clear that bar. Yeah, maybe he can, but like I said, this is a guy that takes a lot of gambles, and yes, he does make some big plays, but we've seen Marcus Peters get cooked a lot of times, and I know every cornerback gets cooked, but as I said... The Not pep- as bad as CJ last year, though. It was, <laughs> it was bad. Like, it was... Those guys... I, I like Keith Taylor enough as a prospect. I do. I liked him... A lot more than what he showed at the end of last season. It is a tough situation, but I can't imagine Mark Peter, Marcus Peters is getting as cooked as what Henderson and Taylor did well, last year. Well, the thing is, is that it's just tough to go out and try to find a player because you're not going to fix everything. There's no perfect team. It's going to be hard to fix everything in one offseason. The Panthers have done a great job as far as showing up a lot of major needs, shoring those things up. But as far as just being able to go out and get a fixer at this point, I don't see a fixer out there unless you're talking about a DeAndre Hopkins, a guy that we know can still play at a high level. Or if you go out and get a Devontae Adams, a guy that's sitting there that could be traded. Yeah, you're doing the star thing. As far as just free agents, a guy that can come in and make an impact, the only one I see is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, you do get your stories every season of some guy that was sitting around that comes in and ends up playing really good football for a team. But I don't see any fixers out there at the moment, so I think the Panthers are in a position that they can afford to 
copy paste. Yeah, Bodie from Charlotte wrote in. Teams were straight up picking on CJ. 704 said, Horn is Mr. Glass. Jack said, I hope Josh Norman is still in shape. And he also said the Steelers <laughs> and the Bucks did tear us a new one without JC. Yeah, remember, that was something you disagreed with. And, you know, I thought it was a little strong too, Wes, but to say that Carolina would have won the Tampa Bay game if JC Horn was out there, I, I hate the, oh, this would have happened if somebody was out there right, conversation. Right, right. I get it. But I don't think they would have lost that way. I do think that because sure. it was going to be tough. It would have been to- a more competitive game. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. 704-570-9610. Tell us how you feel. This is the therapy couch. You can tell us how you feel about J.C. Horn going down with an injury. But, again, it is important to note that he is expected to be back for training camp. He is expected to be ready to go by the regular season start. So this is not some torn ACL. This is not some season-long injury. Still, with his past, it is a little worrisome. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. And we'll talk Brian Burns. Not necessarily just his play on the field, but he's got a new look. We'll discuss the new look coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Continuing to talk about the Carolina Panthers. J.C. Horn goes down with an injury. And we'll get to Brian Burns in just a moment. Did want to read a few more texts. 704-570-9610. Son of Suede, when talking about some of the moves they can make before the season starts. Son of Suede said, I would rather wait until cuts are made before I pick somebody up. I know that's kind of what you are going with. I like the competition of bringing in another veteran. And then if Rajon Wright beats that guy out, then it's still a good problem. Mm-hmm. Even if you put some money there, it's still depth. I do like the competition. But we'll see if Carolina is deciding to operate the same way. All right, well, we'll just roll this way. Don't want to spend the money if we don't have to. And then if we do, I just don't like getting caught with your pants down. If you're Carolina, like, oh, wait, all right, now we need to go get a cornerback, and they already are eyeing another option. But maybe that is the way that Carolina is deciding to operate here. I have to imagine they're a little worried, though, if this happens again with J.C. Uh, I think, though, when you talk about bringing in a, a vet for competition, especially at this stage, if you feel like you may have something in a draft pick, whether it's a late draft pick, because we know if he's an early pick, you're going to give them all the opportunities uh, necessary to succeed. But if it's a late round or an undrafted free agent guy, that's another reason, in my opinion, to not bring somebody in unless you really feel like that guy's going to be a difference maker because you take reps away from that guy to continue their development because these undrafted and late round guys, unless you really get a true hidden gem, they need all the reps that they can get. So let them get it now while they can still make mistakes in practice, while the mistakes that they make don't hurt you in a game, giving up seven points or giving up a big game. Let them learn. Let them make the mistakes now. Then you get to training camp, see what they've got. 
uh, see how much they've learned, and then if they're still struggling, then maybe you make a move, and then the cuts could maybe bring you a guy that could possibly be an impact player for you to a degree. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different schools of thought. It's not the worst idea in the world if you go get a vet. But J.C. should be back for training camp, and I think that's the way that they're treating it and the way that we should look at it because I know the history is daunting, and I said it doesn't look good optics-wise, and it's a bad omen. But that's not to say he's going to go into the season. Maybe this is the only injury he has all season. That's a positive way to look at it and say, okay, maybe he got his one injury this season out of the way. Oh, I love that. Now take. he's on his way to playing 17 yes. games this season. Yes. Go ahead and get it out the way now, that's, baby. That's what I want to roll with. Yeah. yeah. So J.C. Horn, he already got over. He already got the injury over and done with. We are not. You hear that? We're knocking on wood just to let you, uh, you, you karma people out there know that we are still fighting the good fight. I like Mike from Mooresville's text real quickly. Veterans don't want to go to camp anyway. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you should, if you're a veteran, you just don't want to sign a contract because you're like, look, I don't want to go to camp right now. I don't want to do this. Lying about that. I'm chilling. I'm working out by myself. I'm still in good shape, but I'm not about to go, especially to Wofford. I might have to wait a little <laughs> bit on that. I know that's a, we're pushing it a little late into the offseason. Again, feel free to text. The number is 704-570-9610. We got to get to a huge development on the regular season. Yes. DJ Moore was a star for this Panthers team. He wore number two. Number two is a single digit. We lost a star with a single digit aesthetic. And we needed a superhero to mm. stand up and don another single digit. Brian Burns, Spider-Man, he decided to be that superhero for us, Wes. He's changing his number to zero. No longer going to be number 53. And I saw this quote, I think originally from Carolina, and then I saw Carolina Blitz, Vashti Hurt put this out there. Brian Burns' quote was, I figured since they're changing my position technically because of the defense we're in now, it gives me the opportunity to do something new. I feel like it's a lot of new around here, so I feel like, why not do it? It's a new beginning. I am a sucker for a single-digit aesthetic. I talked about this with Mike Golick Jr. When I said I only wish that whoever created numbers created more single digits, he said, wow, I don't know what you've been smoking, but can I have some? Because it was such a far-off philosophical take about numbers. Brian Burns going to zero. It is going to be sexy as hell. I'm so with it out there, going after the quarterback, all for it. And Wes, I guess you could say he went from a zero to zero. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I also wanted to point it out, uh, Petty West on the scene, that you did hear him talk about a position change. He's gone from defensive end to linebacker. So I just thought I'd bring that up for you guys. But anyway, so uh, the change to zero. <laughs> I'm not. You're not going to bait me in the that. Change I've already been baited in a summer league yeah. debate. I'm not getting baited into the, an edge rusher the, outside linebacker debate. The change to zero, zero is pretty dope. Uh, I don't think there are any NFL linebackers at this moment that is wearing a single-digit number of substance that I could think of. Uh, I know it's a college thing right now. Uh, Clemson Barrett Carter rocks the zero at linebacker, and it looks pretty good on him. And I know we've seen a lot of college defenders wear the zero, so I think he will be the first to do that. I think it's going to look good personally. I mean, zero is weird to me because I know how athletes can be with uh, mental, just kind of mental things that they work up in their mind where you wear number one because I'm number one or you wear, you know, number two, like different numbers have different significance and so zero always has negative connotations no matter what you look at but I think just the uh the optics of it looking at it on the field it looks good for sure 
uh, symmetrically. But I, I, zero to me is a interesting number for athletes to wear. But for him, I think it's going to look really good. Definitely going to make the jersey sales go through the roof. I was looking at fan reactions, and a lot of fans were saying either they had bought a jersey and now they were going to have to get the new one or they were going to have to get rid of their old Brian Burns and get the new one. Mm-hmm. Or you just have a throwback now at this point. But um, it's going to boost those jersey sales for sure. And the thing I'm going to be interested, I mean, Agent Zero, that was Gilbert Arenas. I know it was basketball, but a lot of people like the, we already have Agent 89 for Steve Smith. So, I mean, Agent Zero to me would be a little played if Panthers fans decided to go that yeah, route. Yeah, so it doesn't think, feel right to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, of, of what you could do to go with that Zero and give him a cool nickname. Let's send it to the text line. 704-570-9610. Is there a nickname for Brian Burns since he changed his number to zero? 803 wrote in, Shaq literally wears seven, three question marks. Okay, is Shaq a star? Like, I'm not trying to say Brian Burns okay. is the only guy. But that guy. was a good point. Touche, touche. I wanted to what, know. What did you say? Did you say I was that saying I, I couldn't think of any linebackers of any significance like that that wear a single digit number, oh, but I stand corrected. Shaq seven. Well, Roquan Shaq? goes zero. Roquan Smith wears zero. There are some okay. guys out there. I don't know how many edge rushers. Like, I think when you're talking about yeah. guys that are actually going to be close to the defensive line, whether you're standing up or whether you've got your hand in the dirt, I don't know how many defensive linemen or guys that are close to it are consistently wearing zero out there. So I didn't hear you talk about he's the only guy. Shaq does it. We do know a couple of other guys in the league will do it. It does feel a little bit different with Brian Burns changing his number. And people are going to do the Cowboy Squirt thing with zero sacks for zero. Like that's People are going to hate on him with that. Exactly. I, I figure that's going to be a played out. Uh, type of insult hurled towards Brian Burns if he has a game out there. <laughs> oh, definitely. He doesn't get home. People are going to say, oh, zero. Yeah, they're going to say the amount of sacks that Brian Burns had today, they're going to put up a picture of Brian Burns in his New Jersey. It's just how it's going to be. But there are players in NBA history in the NFL right now that still have that same number. And so you could still apply that logic to any of these other guys out there. Agent Zero doesn't quite fit. I'm with you. I don't know what other kind of nickname, man. I've been looking. I've been trying to figure out something that works, and I just can't find it, Wes. I will say this. Even if the nicknames aren't flowing, the social media content has been. Panthers did their thing here. That little 10-second moving kind of video picture all in one, right? The spider putting the zero in the web. Oh. Did you not see this? Wes, you are going to love it. Okay. Go watch this 10-second clip of the spider in the focus, in the forefront, creating the zero in the web, ascending down, and then it focuses in the back on Bank of America Stadium, and then you have Brian Burns up at the top. It is a phenomenal video. Uh, The Meathead, he wrote in zero to hero, Mega Man zero, Hero zero. Yeah, there's a lot of the rhyming for heroes. <laughs> I, I look, look, I can't create anything else, so I'm not going to hate on y'all. That, that's just how it is. Um, 980 said zero F's given. Yeah, I don't. Oh. Maybe you could put that in there. You got something fitting? Zero burns or no or zero. Well, <laughs> you had to say it out loud yeah, to hear that it wasn't great. I, I don't know. Yeah. Three, three, six, zero dark burns. I was trying to think of it, too. I couldn't think of anything. Uh, the, the best thing I had, I put out there on Twitter, from a zero to zero. That's what I had. And it's not a nickname. It yeah. just symbolizes the change that he has with the new defensive coordinator. What do you think 
will be the more popular jersey now? Brian Burns is zero or Bryce Young's number? Bryce Young is going to win because he, you think? Burns got a chance. That I mean, zero is tough. A lot of people were liking it from what I saw. I think he'll be second. But yeah. new quarterback, most yeah. important position in sports, yeah. guy that has the pedigree. It's not like he's new. Everybody has known what Bryce Young has been about. And so he is another one that has donned a single-digit aesthetic. It's just we've seen quarterbacks do this quite a bit. Cam Newton was number one here for many years. So this is why I like it. It's the odd position that dons the single digit. I love when Shaq went to number seven, too. You know how I feel about the single digits. So we'll see about just how much change this will allow for Brian Burns. I'm ready for the first offensive lineman to get a single digit. That's what I'm waiting on. Yeah, that's going to be. The problem is I don't think they're in focus enough. I want to see it flawed. I want to see the single digit there, and I am and I don't think you can really see it with the offensive lineman. But I'm with you. I'm not going to hate on it yeah. if that does happen. We'll get to some more of these uh, nicknames in just a moment. We do need to get to a little series we're working on, just some of the more important matchups that we have with each of the Carolina Panthers stars. Yesterday, we dissected Bryce Young's schedule, Wes, Fitty, they went with some games a little earlier in the schedule. You went with the Saints, Wes. You went with the third game of the season, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, which is a good one because of the environment that he's going to have to play in once they hit the road. Text line favorite was more so New Orleans on Monday night, second game of the season. I went Dallas a little bit later. When I ask you about Brian Burns, mm-hmm. Wes, what's a game that you point, you circle for him as far as an important matchup? Whether maybe this is the game where we're going to realize if he can reach like a 15 sack season, he he got double digits already. That was the next box he needed to check off. Yeah. But what's a, oh yeah, one of the better pass rushing type of numbers, all pro level. What what's what's a game that you're circling? Okay. He's here. Now I feel like it's actually possible for that type of accomplishment. Yeah. So there are a lot of great matchups on the schedule as far as, tackles that he will have to go against but I'm going to go to week four the Minnesota Vikings and PFF's fifth rated tackle in the game Christian Dersaw from Virginia Tech and he's a guy that's really come up as a young player they talked about how he took a big step forward in 2022 he had a 90.6 run blocking grade also uh, the pass protection grade was a 82.4 so that was eighth best at the position but I think that's an early season matchup Dersaw is a He's a big kid, yeah. you know, so I think there are other matchups on the schedule because the other one I was going to pick is a little bit later, but I think this will be a more uh, formidable matchup for him early on just to see what type of time he's on because didn't want to go with division opponents because you know he's going to go up against these guys every year. So I wanted to step outside of the division and see which tackle matchup. Plus, he didn't have anybody inside of that top five that was in the division that he will have to deal with. But Christian Dare saw that first kind of out-of-conference matchup, a guy that he's not used to, a guy he hasn't seen that often. So we're going to see, man, what type of time he's on. I think by then he'll have a few sacks under his belt, but we'll see if he can get to be uh, the dominant player where he's dominating tackles uh, on a regular basis and really just causing a lot of stress on an offensive line. So week four, Minnesota, October 1st against Darisaw, one of the better tackles in the NFL. That's the matchup you're rolling with. Fitty, when you look at the Carolina Panthers schedule, you try to pick a matchup for Brian Burns. That's the one I'm circling. That's the one that's going to be most fun for me to 
watch with him. What game are you circling? Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, that jumped into my head just because of, you know, it's not the best offensive line in the NFL, but it's still a, a really good one. Can I take an easy way out, and maybe you'll clown me for this? Doesn't every game for him a prove-it game? Like, you've got to prove oh, why, why the Panthers did not trade <laughs> you away last year with the offer that was given. Like, at some point, he's got to justify why Scott Fair did not trade him away for two more first-round picks. Wasn't it, a, you know, a, a, an additional second-round pick as well? So, to me, I think every time he steps on the field, he's in improvement mode because Scott Fitter in the front office, they want to pay you to be a franchise-changing pass mm-hmm. rusher. Go ahead, Wes. What you, what you think about well, Fitty saying every single game? I mean, just classic riding the fence. Uh, it's, a, it's a great every way to NFL not be wrong, though. Is How it? is it riding the fence? Like, look, if, if there wasn't a trade-off for a year ago, I would have said, well, hey, let's go find the game. But Yeah, but the point of the segment was this, were for us to pick <laughs> yeah. a game. But you know a what? Game. There's a caveat to everything. The caveat is, is that they probably should have traded him with that with what was being offered. They didn't. You got you got to prove why they made the right decision. Oh, well, I will say too, teams were willing to trade for Brian Burns with the production that he had had the last couple of seasons, right? With some potential baked in there as well. But the production is good enough to be still really valuable. He's still a Pro Bowl player. I guess what people are trying to figure out is if he can be an all pro Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, whoever you want to tab as the best pass rusher in the league. Maybe Brian Burns never gets there, but can he get to some type of level where he's just on the outside looking in of a top five position as an edge rusher, trying to look at some of these games for me. You went with Minnesota. I'm kind of looking at Detroit. Detroit has a good offensive line. And you saw last year where it was a pretty good game for him, not his best, but a pretty good overall game for him against Detroit. Run defense grade was good. Overall defensive grade was good. You look at his stats. He had two sacks against Detroit. And so you get multiple sacks in a game. You're going to leave with at least some kind of accomplishment there. Detroit is going to be week five. That's going to be right after the game that you have against Minnesota that you mentioned. So Darisaw you're battling against. And then right after that, another tough offensive line matchup. Yeah. Detroit. Remember that offense is awesome. And I feel like we can say that, right? I know I go to that word, but Detroit, very good offensive unit. Ben Johnson sought after for a reason. The offensive coordinator did a great job. Jared Goff, as much as I want to see him do it again, Jared Goff clearly improved a lot last year. He, he was impressive. So can Brian Burns, just a week after your first month of the year, going against a high-octane offense that looks like it got better, by the way, the offensive line is shored up, Burns is going to be a big factor in that game, especially if the whole idea is to try to make the game easier for Bryce Young to keep up. When we were talking about some of the non-conference, non-division games, Wes, Mm -hmm. I pointed to Detroit at the beginning of the season. I think there are a lot of fun storylines when you start to talk about Detroit. You get past the first month. All right, now can you get on off the right foot for the second month? Boom. October 8th right there. Yeah, I I really like that one when we start to circle some of the more intriguing games. Yeah, and I believe that he got two of the four sacks allowed by Detroit left tackle Taylor Decker there. So that's one of the uh, better or more advantageous matchups. But as a whole, that offensive line is pretty good. He had a 76.5 pass blocking grade. But uh, the man on that line, and I think will be a a great matchup uh, down the line for maybe another play if I decide to choose that. And um, 
Derek Brown would be Panay Sewell, who's well, on the right Well, he's right tackle, side. too, That's right? What I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. New, so new he'll do with, mm-hmm. he would deal with him. But uh, for Brian Burns, as you said, yes, of course, every game is going to be approved. Detroit does have a good uh, offensive line, but he does – he gets a good matchup. He draws a good draw there in uh, Taylor Decker, and we mm-hmm. saw that last year when he had a couple of sacks on him. Fitty, you have some people coming to your defense. 704 said Fitty is right. Myron Goodman, your boy, he said Fitty is right with his take. Just listen to the man. Walker, Wes, your sports knowledge, it will only grow if you listen to that man. You know, people keep trying to tell us, we just won't listen to you, Fitty. I know. It's not for it's not for lack of your fans I trying to see out the there. text that uh, Fitty sent him to tell him to say that. But he <laughs> promised him. Do you I have a burner account that, in here? I don't, man. They just People love Fitty. Yeah, they do. So do we. We might fight I mean, about Summer League sometimes. No, I do. Okay. I do love you. And I'm going to show my love <laughs> by giving you the platform to go to your first Fitty Flash. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? guys well last night and i've already got a few texts about this on the text line as well the atlanta braves they beat the mets seven to five but more importantly for the second straight night they erased a 4-1 deficit with the four run inning this time at the hands of max scherzer who was on the mound for the mets but that's not the biggest storyline the biggest storyline is that pete alonzo had to exit the game after getting hit on the wrist X-rays came back negative, and he has a left wrist contusion and is considered day-to-day. Have either of y'all seen the pitch that he got hit on? I did not, and I meant to go check this out. I can check it out during the break. Maybe we touch on it because it is a decent storyline considering a local team, quote-unquote, because a lot of people are Braves fans. I just want to ask you, Mm -hmm. was yesterday worst-case scenario for a Mets fan, as much as it could be this early in the season, having dropped your second straight game to the Atlanta Braves, and now Pete Alonso suffers an injury? Yeah, because the polar bear, the best home run hitter in baseball, gets hurt. And here was my biggest problem. Our dugout had no reaction. They they didn't care. There wasn't no chirping. And um, when the Braves came to bat in the bottom of the first, Max Scherzer never wants to move them off the plate. There was no reaction from this team. Mm-hmm. They just laid down and they quit. And at 30 and 32 and now seven and a half games out of first, the outlook for this season, it's like my dating life. Pretty bleak. Um, Carolina Dave, another fan of Fitty. He wants to know if you're going to the foul line over this Alonzo stuff. We find out coming up in the next segment, and maybe we get to some NBA Finals conversation. You're listening to Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here we go, folks, and we are always grinding. What an appropriate song to be played. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Real quickly, do you think Simeon Wilcher runs from this beat anytime it's played? <laughs> 
that's a good one. Get one to it, that's for sure. That is a good one. Uh, so, yeah, so hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Walker, what you got going well, on? Well, so people are asking where they can find the video from the Carolina Panthers uh, Twitter account. And I did retweet it. It's my second to last tweet. So it's the quote tweet, I want all the burns to zero imaging you got. It's a 10-second video. They've labeled it web spinning. And it is the web with zero in it, and then it focuses in the back. There's Brian Burns in a Spider-Man pose on Bank of America Stadium. Wes, it's pretty fire, right? Yeah, man, it's it's pretty good. I had to give it up on this It's one, pretty man. sick. Especially just, you don't actually see him. It's just kind of the shadow of him uh, squatting down in the position he's in. It's like Spider-Man pose on top of a building. Yeah, a lot of times that he's in on the field, and so it, it, it's pretty cool and very gothic. It, I like it a lot. It's really cool. A couple of other texts real quickly. 980 number said, um, or excuse me, Salty Pirate wrote in, why doesn't Burns just include a forward slash and be fifth thirds? Imagine the commercial opportunities. I like a fraction as a number. We need to get, have a fraction number in there. What would you want to have if you could have one? Oh, man, I don't know. That's a Dolly Parton fraction, though. Did you guys get taught that in school? So, Dolly Parton, Franks. <laughs> believe it or not, my fifth grade teacher, Ms. Lindsay, big shout out. She said that any time that you had the numerator bigger than the denominator in a fraction, it would be a Dolly Parton fraction because the top half is bigger than the bottom. Half. Oh, very good. That's a good one. My fifth grade teacher taught us that. That's like that's one. something we would use during test okay dolly parton fraction okay now we have to make sure yep so that means it can hold a whole number can come out of this we actually had to go through that during the whole problem solving skills so big shout out to ms Lindsay. um one other thing 704 said fitty just did the equivalent to hey pick your favorite song i don't know i love all of them when he said every <laughs> single game is important for brian burns yeah i feel like you did pull that move you can't pick your favorite album. You can't pick your favorite song. You just decided to go with all of them. Y'all are just mad that y'all, what I said, there was truth to it. <laughs> Could you imagine if we got on the radio and then we just did that the whole show for everything? We're just like, well, everything's important. Coming up well, next, we pick the most important matchup. <laughs> we get back five all minutes later. Them. Guys, I think it's all of them. Right. Oh! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> nice job. Yeah. Who's uh, the best NBA player? Well, I think they're all pretty good, to be honest with you. All of them. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Are fantastic. Yeah. I Jimmy think he's Butler. pretty good. I didn't say most exciting. <laughs> <laughs> except for Jimmy. All of them, except yeah. for Jimmy Butler. Right. And he he wasn't phenomenal last night. Although he did, he was aggressive, Wes, if we want to do the NBA Finals thing here. Yeah, so NBA Finals last night. I thought Miami would take this one, even though I do expect these teams to split the next two games. And I think Miami will bounce back. But last night. The Nuggets came out, pulled out the whooping stick, 109 to 94. They got the victory. I probably stopped watching this with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and started watching Mayans because uh, the game was out of hand, and I was a little disappointed. They tried. It was funny because you could see Mike Malone throw the white flag in, go to the bench where he's going like 14th, 15th guy. Same thing with Miami. But Miami throws in rookie Nikola Jovic, by the way, real name, Nikola Jovic. He goes to Omer Yurt 7 for all you NC State fans out there. And they bring it to within 10. (laughs) And there was a minute and a half left. And, oh, okay, if Bam Adebayo hits a jumper from the elbow, I didn't love the shot. But if he hits that jumper, you're talking about, speaking of single digits, that's why Denver decided, you know what, Nikola Jokic is staying out there. We're rolling with the starters. And so there were... 
kind of like faux interesting times at the end of this at the end of the game. But Malone, I think he cursed. It was like, goodness gracious, man, we can't even get a win when we have a 15, 16 point lead. This performance definitely will warrant a visit from Pat Riley, I feel like, because I've yet to see an NBA team, and I know I don't look at every NBA box score, but minus 25 on the boards the Miami Heat were mm-hmm. last night and shooting 37%. Uh, that alone tells me I don't think that this will be duplicated in game two because no way the Heat are going to get punked like that again and shoot that bad from two-point range. So last night just wasn't their night. I like what Jimmy Butler had to say after the game. I think him calling out his team afterwards will – Uh, make for a better game at least. That's all you want in the finals is just a competitive game. But come on now. I'm not going to do Nikola Jokic like that. I'm going to give that man his credit. 32, 21 boards, 10 dimes, three turnovers for Nikola Jokic. He's been unbelievable. I think when he's done in this series, win or lose, he's going to have one of the just most prolific stat lines that we've seen in an NBA Finals. He's just been utterly disgusting as far as the stat line and how it's going to look. Yeah, averaging a triple-double in the postseason on real efficient shooting, is that good? And probably going to be over 30 points with it, though. What he's doing, it's, it's, it's crazy how easy he makes it look. A lot of that is being 290 pounds, something like that. Part of it is being 6'11", and having an unbelievable amount of touch. How many times will he throw up a shot from his right shoulder where he's got a right angle from his elbow? He just throws it up from his right shoulder. It bounces on the rim a couple of times and then goes in. Shooter's touch, it's a thing. I've always believed in it. But never has there been a better example of shooter's touch until Nikola Jokic stepped out onto a court. Because if you're a good shooter, all you do is swish, swish it all the time. But Jokic just floats it up there, and somehow it rolls in, and he shoots over 60% from two-point range and overall this season. And, Wes, there is zero drop-off in the postseason. Every great player, every great player will sometimes experience some semblance of a drop-off in production or efficiency. Denver has been great. Jamal Murray was excellent last night. He stepped up in a big way. I know you kind of called on that, Wes. But Jokic, every offensive possession, if the basketball touches his hands, it's going to be a good one. He's going to find the open man. Even in four seconds left on the shot clock situations, he'll throw something up and it's going to go in. I've just never seen anybody have that kind of effect on an offensive possession where every single time you know it's going to be a good shot or at the very least a decent shot. Yeah, and Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, the only two teammates in finals history to have 30-point triple double so that was impressive and only one other double digit score for the Nuggets last night 11 points Michael Porter Jr. continues to struggle so there's some interesting storylines going into game three because I heard the narratives this morning everybody again said they don't know what Miami's gonna do and they don't know how they're gonna recover from this and I'm like my god like Mm. it's just every single game the pendulum swings to everybody thinks that it's just gloom and doom Uh, For the other team, Bam goes 22-17 boards. But the shooters that they had, the role players did not play good at home. Uh, You got Gabe Vincent going two for 10. Max Struess going one for seven. So they did not get what they were looking for uh, out of their guys. And so when you look at this game last night, I can't wait to see what adjustments are going to be made. And do you think that, I'll, I'll ask you this really quick, do you think, especially with the win, but 
at this point with what he's doing, is Nikola Jokic a top five, ten center of all time already? Yeah, the center position is so tough because all you have to exclude a, a top player, period, right? Shaquille O'Neal, not in any order. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon. I think a lot of people would roll with those guys. And then you include Bill Russell, where the numbers aren't as astonishing in some of those regards, especially scoring-wise. But the guy has as many championships as any NBA player to ever do it. So, they're five. I'm just keeping it a buck. Yeah, that's fine. This might be wild. You going to put him over Shaq? Okay. No. Or Hakeem? I take Nikola Jokic over Bill Russell. I'm just keeping it a being with you. I I, I respect Bill and what he did. So, I respect the, the accolades that he had, but it, the man was a 44% career field goal shooter, 15 points a game. He did average 22 and a half rebounds. That's so many rebounds. But I'm taking Nikola over Bill Russell, man. I know the old heads are probably up in arms right now, but look, man, Nikola gives you so much offensively. Along with the other centers, I think he's got a little bit to catch them. And championships, I mean, you have to exclude that when you're talking about Bill Russell for sure. But just as far as pure basketball game, which guy would I rather have if I have a choice? I'm taking Jokic over Bill Russell, man. But, if yeah, with championships being a part of this, I don't I mean, if you want to include championships, that's fine. But go ahead. Well, if, if, you, if you don't, then what's stopping you from putting Jokic over any of the other centers on this list? Well, all right. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you said I mean, just big Shaq. I mean, come on. Now. We know what Shaq looked like at that apex. Because when we talk about – because I'm just talking about to a man with their games, Shaq at his apex. I mean, yeah, maybe the passing numbers weren't what Nikola's are in the shooting, but just the dominance inside a bucket. Like, that's a bucket. You give him the ball – you're done. I just give you the ball and stand there and watch you destroy Unless you foul greats. Him. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Shaq destroyed greats. He destroyed Tim Duncan, Robinson, all these guys. Like, And they got theirs on well, him, Bill too. Bill Russell, by the way, Bill Russell did everything he did, winning championships. You know who he stopped winning championships? It's Will, Will Chamberlain. He did. He did. I but mean, I think if, Shaq if, played in a better era of center. I mean, yeah, and this is the whole comparing eras thing. Yeah. I hate doing it. I, the, <laughs> way, the way I evaluate any of the order and doing the rank radio stuff, if yeah. you're going to go from the 60s to the 70s to the 2020s now, the way you have to do that, where did they rank at their time? Yeah. That's just how it is. And because all these guys were regarded as the best at some point in their careers. If, if Jokic wins, I don't know, three finals, he wins a finals MVP in each of those appearances, yeah, there's going to be a real case. I will tell you this. I don't think it's any question right now who the best player in the league is. It's Jokic. Okay. Just the best player. Even if Giannis is somebody that you have to really consider, I think KD has fallen off a little bit as he gets older. Giannis getting beat by the Miami Heat. Yeah, I, Jokic, what he's doing is it's averaging a, he's averaging a triple-double in the postseason. 30, 13, and 10 on 55% shooting and 47% shooting from three on high yeah. enough volume. It's I can't even make sense of these numbers, what we're seeing. All right, so when we come back, we'll have a little bit more finals talk, including talking about whose run has been a little bit more impressive of the two teams and also how many picks was Charlotte using a draft and NBA draft talk. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.